on this DMV Sports Roundtable. Can the Redskins do it again in Week 2? We've been smiling all week after their dominant debut performance against the Cardinals. Now I wish I had some kind of secret secret sauce or something, but I don't. I just uh, try to do the best I can. QB Alex Smith now getting ready for Week 2, hosting the Colts. College football, the Terps are 2-0 and this weekend going against Temple. The Mystics have been swept in their first WNBA Finals appearance. I mean, we had a great season. I'm super proud of the way we bounced back from a lot of adversity. Elena Deladon after Game 3. We've got all that and more for you. Dimitri Soda's here with Jamal Bowens, Chris Chion, and Tim Murray in the studio. I don't have to tell you guys how terrific the skins looked last week. Can they bring that vibe against the Colts from I mean, now on? It, it's consistency. Uh, health overall is the overall blanket to what they need to do to be successful. But it's to be consistent. The blueprint has been set. The question is, can Jay be patient enough to set the run, roll with that? Because that's the blueprint. It's been laid out. You, you start off with AP, you hit him with, with Chris Thompson, you establish the run. They dominated time of possession last week. It was almost like watching an old Joe Gibbs game, uh, you know, circa 1991 or, or 87 or whatever you want to call it. But that's, that's going to be the key. If Jay is patient enough, doesn't tinker with it, everything else will open up. I know he wants to get Doxson and Crowder and uh, Vernon Davis and Paul Richardson involved, but all that will come. All that will come because teams will, if they choose to key in on Thompson, Reed, and AP, those guys will kill them, and Alex Smith will definitely get them the football. I think the biggest thing about this team, and, and I agree, Jamal, it's consistency, but it's also to recognize who your true stars are. And last year, the season was derailed when Chris Thompson went down with an injury. Jordan Reed, at this point, we're excited that he's healthy, but will he remain that way? What we know going into Sunday is that Chris Thompson is healthy, is that Jordan Reed remains healthy, and Trent Williams. I mean, all three of those guys, if you look at around the league, Chris Thompson arguably is the best third down back in the entire league. Jordan Reed, top three pass-catching tight end in the league. And we can get into a discussion of where Trent Williams is as a left tackle, but he's among the premier left Mm -hmm. tackles. So they're healthy, play to their strengths. I love the way that they were interchanging all of those pieces. And, yeah, would it be nice to get Paul Richardson and Josh Doxson involved? I, I, absolutely. And at some point, they're going to be need to be integral parts of this offense, and I, and I believe they will be. And it will come uh, organically, but let's just play the hits. Keep yeah, playing the yeah. hits. These are the guys <laughs> that are the premier players. And, look, Adrian Peterson, he, as the year goes on, 26 carries, it, they, it's not sustainable, mm-hmm. but right now – I would say just just keep on doing what worked in week number one. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Yeah, so I would just say that this is a week for both the running game and the passing game to both establish themselves and mm-hmm. be effective. You can run on this Indianapolis Colts team. After after this week, it gets much tougher for the Redskins oh, yeah. in their matchups. But I think this week you can run. And a stat that I keep pointing out is that none of the Indianapolis secondary has run a sub 4-5-40. They're not that fast, meaning Paul Richardson, this is why we got him here, he can stretch the field. I know Alex Smith isn't somebody who likes to take a lot of risks, but hey, if he had Tyree Kill, and what what did he do with Tyree Kill? He would just burn everybody, just throw it over the defenders' heads. I think this could be a good big game for Paul Richardson. Uh, still kind of waiting to see what Doxson has. I, I saw some reports a couple of weeks ago that he didn't really emerge in the preseason of the training camp. Like, they thought he would take the steps this year. But uh, I, I expect a better game out of Crowder. And, and, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Set up the run and... 
establish the run so right. you can have the pass, make those nice, easy throws for Alex Smith. But, but week one, uh, there, there's not really a whole lot. Is there anything bad we can say about the Redskins in week one that you guys saw <laughs> that, that needs to be cleaned up? Because it was almost. I mean, to me, anything would be nitpicky. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, to go to. You know, no, I really don't. I think they played as well as they could. Um, you'd be splitting hairs to try to find three something negative. Three sacks, maybe, I would say. I think it was two, two three, something like that. The only but thing I would nitpick about is that I, I I really think Arizona, come the end of December, will be among the worst teams in the uh, league. That is the, to it, think it, that. If you, if you really want to get nitpicky and say, uh, that would be the one thing, is the level of competition on th- this past Sunday might not have been that good, but it's still an NFL team. And well, they went into an opponent, opponent's right. house and they dominated the game from the start. Which, and they haven't won in Arizona in quite some time. Right. But to your point, Tim, if you watch any pregame show, especially NFL Network, when they picked, it was Cardinals across the board. Huh. So it's funny to me how when yeah. we go in and dominate like that, when everybody picked us to lose to this team that now is all of a sudden garbage and subpar, <laughs> well, they weren't that much garbage when you picked them to beat us unanimously. So now when it, it's just a thing, you don't want to give the Redskins too much credit, and it's fine. Hey, that's fine. They haven't earned anything yet. It's, it's week one. Crazy things have happened. I mean, the, the Browns, t- uh, you know, take Pittsburgh to a tie. Uh, Tampa Bay, led by uh, Fitzpatrick, puts a 48 on the on the Saints. The Jets put up 40-something. It, it, it's weird all over the place. But to what you're saying, you got to keep it moving this week and stick to the blueprint. Stay with what they led. They had 182 yards last week. Led the league in week one in rushing yards. And you just got to keep moving because everything else will open up. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, this defense does not have – Indy hasn't had a pass rusher since Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney. They got Hunt. Marcus Hunt. But other than him, I haven't seen any sort of pass rush. They got Malik Hooker on the back end. But, of course, those linebackers and those corners and say they can't be had. Mm-hmm. So I think if you just establish the run, it'll open wide up. Jay wants to take shots. We know this. But he's got to be patient. They'll come, especially this week. If they start to stack the box – everything will open up for Alex Smith downfield, and they can take as many shots as they want. Fantasy. Who do we start and who do we sit, Big Chief? From a fantasy standpoint, you're starting Adrian Peterson. You're starting yep. Chris Thompson. Uh, at this point, We, I was skeptical. I did not draft Chris Thompson anywhere because I, did. I believed – well, then then, then <laughs> you have did. a better crystal ball than I <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, that was wise. When they told me that – or when it was reported that he wasn't going to be 100% till November, I kind of thought to myself, well, well then, no, no, no. He said that. Well, he was – He said that. He, he threw so me is, for is a little. I would understand if that's something that came from the coaching staff mm-hmm. or the trainers. No, Chris said that when they asked him. And he said, well, November. Well, he was wrong. Yeah, he was wrong. And this offense, as uh, Tim mentioned, is like one of the most efficient when Chris uh, Thomas was on the field. When he went right. down last year, they pretty much sunk. Uh, I would say that Jamison Crowder is still somebody I'm trying to get in my lineup because I think he's the best uh, intermediary routes guy, whereas Doxson and Richardson more, I think, the specialist. Right. Jordan Reed is an every week starter in fantasy. Uh, obviously, he's somebody that, and, and I like Alex Smith this week too against Indianapolis. I don't know if you're playing him in a 12 team league because you may have better options, but to me, right. in a 12 team, he's like QB 12 probably. Well, so you're looking I'm at, him and up. when you have, I'm looking at a problem where I have Rodgers who is 50 50 to play at this point. You're not certain, but if he does, even though it's Aaron Rodgers, he's got a bad matchup going against Minnesota. Yeah, you know you have some quarterbacks. It depends on your matchup. If you have two guys in your lineup that both have you know sketchy matchups, 
Alex Smith might be a guy to come in and, and just for a week, you can stream Like him. Matt Ryan. I wouldn't play Matt right. Ryan against Carolina. I'm actually, I, I think I've gotten rid of Matt Ryan on some teams. Not all of them, because I've got a bunch. That's, but that's how we roll, I've gotten man. rid of them. And Stafford, maybe. I'm kind of holding on to Stafford. But back to Thompson, especially if, you have a, if you're in a PPR league, Thompson is going to be huge for you. I think standard, I don't know. Standard, he was he was good for me in standard. But if you're in PPR, most definitely, you know he's 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 going to be potential to be the top scorer. Yeah, I uh, on the other side of the ball on the Indianapolis Colts side, you can't really trust anybody in their backfield at the moment. I think Jordan Wilkins didn't look that great. Marlon Mack is, is he's practicing. He's about 50-50, yeah. and they might get Costanzo back on the left side of that offensive line. So if you have those two, I'm not saying start Marlon Mack, but if he does play, maybe a flex. But I don't know because it's still not from what I saw from this front last week. It's not a great matchup. No, for me, it's uh, it's Andrew Luck you're starting if you drafted him. He has his worst average depth of target of his career. I think he's still working the kinks back with his arm and his shoulder. Uh, you also have Jack Doyle, who you're starting if you drafted him, and T.Y. Hilton. Other than that, hey, I, Ryan uh, Grant. Ryan Grant. For 59. I love Ryan Grant. You don't have to get me started. I'm not a fan of Ryan no. Grant. No, but, no but I have, Why we've, not? We've I've, had this conversation too many times, Chris. I, just, I was never... A huge fan of his. I never understood why Jay loved him so much. Why I think he's one dimensional. I just, I he is a decent slot wide receiver, but what I saw from him more was in the preseason, as opposed to when he was actually in games, except for a you know a handful of games Mm -hmm. where he showed out, but he didn't show that same rapport when Cousins was not a starter. And they played together in the preseason. And then when they got, and he was a starter, I didn't see that chemistry anymore. So uh, Redskins favored by six points as of Thursday afternoon. What do we guys think about that? That's, take it. That's that's right in line. I was one of the fools that thought take Arizona it. was going to be awesome. I'm going to eat some crow now and... Uh, and start backing the skins a little bit. I, w- I would take that. All the stars align. You look at week one, and the Redskins played tremendous, as we've talked about. Uh, everybody saw it with their own eyes. Indianapolis, the questions remain out there. This just worries me. This is a spot in recent years, and this might be the pessimism of a Redskin fan seeping into my veins here. <laughs> but, you know, them being a six point fa- uh, uh, favorite, the public believing in the Redskins, at least in this game, I do think the Redskins are the better team. I would take the Redskins minus the six in a 30 to 20 type of range victory. Uh, but th- this game does, it bothers me knowing what is ahead, you know, knowing there's a matchup right. with Green Bay, then the bye week, then New Orleans. Right. Look, I, I hate the, the terminology must win because we have no idea what's going to happen. It is week number two. But so you know, let's not week, get ahead of ourselves. Week, week one was a must win. It, it was very important for Jay Gruden because <laughs> it's, he was it's, 0 it's and 4. It's strongly suggested yes, that you win this yes, game. Yes, if, yeah. if we want the Redskins to be playing meaningful football come December, this is a very important game because it's at home against a team that you are better than. And look, Tampa Bay down in, what is that, November? That game doesn't look as easy as maybe it no. was anticipated. So you this said is, the same thing about the Saints, but who knows? You know, that could be a one-off. Yeah. A lot of strange things happened this weekend. Yeah, and, and Drew Brees still threw for four hundred exactly thousand yards. In but that I'm game. looking. I thought their defense was much oh. better than giving yes. a forty-eight to uh, 
Fitzpatrick. Yeah, agreed. But I, I like the Redskins this weekend, but there is just a little bit of pause, and that's more of the pessimism of, of just being beaten down for two and right. a half decades. I, I, I think the thing for me, the two things to address that is, number one, there is a lot of young talent that's on this team oh, yeah. now. And they're coming from a different mindset. And we're not necessarily have a lot of old vets that have gone through this. You've got guys coming from winning programs from Alabama, from Virginia Tech, et cetera, that are playing meaningful minutes, meaningful snaps, and are vital to, especially on the defense side of the ball. So I see a hunger there from that perspective that it's not the same old for them. When you inject that new blood that has not been around for all the dysfunction and all the losing, and you have people like DJ Swearinger who are, they don't even think about whatever negativity happened mm-hmm. in the past. They're, it's all about a new mindset, a new mentality. So, yeah, the pessimism is there. I get it. But from that standpoint... Well, the pessimism's from me as a fan well, on a but personal I, level. But I feel I the same think, way. I don't think it is with the players. I agree. Yeah, I, I feel the same these way. These players have no idea what happened in right. the RG3 days yeah. and prior to that. They, they have no I'm, idea. I'm, They're not thinking about Steve Spurrier, right. but we are. <laughs> Let alone Rex and Bex. Yes. Oh, right. please, please. I, 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 and Bex, I, I had blocked him out so long ago. Please don't bring that back. What is uh, going on with the Terps? So much controversy in the late summer with very good reason, the death of a player, but they are undefeated. What what's the mentality? Durkin can recruit, and we're seeing yeah. that on display now. Yeah. He's got talent on this roster. They're a different team with Pigram and and Kasim Hill. Even if Kasim Hill isn't exactly lighting it up in terms of uh, his completion percentage, they're healthy. They're healthy, and they can run the football. Well, you and have a healthy quarterback. Quarterbacks. What do they have? Four hundred forty-four yards rushing against Bowling, Bowling Green. Yeah. They, they they've always been a running team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had to have been because they. Before you go back to CJ Brown, you get running quarterbacks that can't throw the ball. Yeah, you know, you DJ Moore as much as he did in Maryland to me is is fascinating. Went, like went the, to waste almost. How did he get a thousand yard season with this with, with, with six the, quarterbacks yeah. last year? You know, and then you had the 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 one year that they had a linebacker halfway through the season playing quarterback. Oh, I mean, I this team is, has, you talk about injury bugs, this team has had terrible luck with quarterbacks. So to have all three. Healthy, because all three went down last year. Two in what the same game. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much said it. And uh, the schedule, I think, is favorable for Maryland. They're not exactly playing. You know, I, I'm I'm bringing up the schedule now, right here in front of me. I think but they got like Michigan. They have Iowa with yeah. Iowa. Iowa will be tough, but they got Temple this week. Who right. they should roll I over? Think, I think Michigan is beatable. I would agree. Michigan with that. is a big name. I think. I think they're beatable. I think. I think we're playing a little bit into too much of what we saw in week one. Uh, Michigan has got s- superior talent. Oh yeah, they you go do. on the road. Uh, I, I look at this Maryland team. Vegas had it as an over under of four wins, wow. and, and they farly underestimated what Maryland yeah. is. Because as, to Chris's point, when you start layering in top twenty five recruiting classes, yeah. eventually it's your talent show. is going to show. Right. And now they don't have the superior talent of a Michigan, uh, of an of an Ohio State or a Penn State. The Michigan State game at home in early November, yeah. that is looking a little more winnable. Oh, they yes. went on the road last weekend. They lost to Arizona, Arizona State. State. They only had 13 points against a, right. a team that we don't really know a ton about in Arizona State. Um, you've got Minnesota with a true freshman quarterback mm-hmm. next week to open up Big Ten play. That's at home. You've got Rutgers. You've got Illinois, who's a disaster. Indiana on the road. 
eight wins is really not out of yeah. the realm of possibility. I'm hearing a lot of W's as you're reeling off and those just, names. I'm hearing a lot of you W's. Just, <laughs> and you just build this and you build it moving forward. And people always right. make jokes about bowl games and they mean nothing. When you're a young team like Maryland, those two weeks of practice that you are given are so vital to the growth of a uh, of a program moving forward because if they don't go to a bowl this year, which which once again I think they will, their last football activity is November twenty fourth, as opposed to two extra weeks of practice and then a bowl game. So when you're building a program, regardless of the coaching situation, and this is, and I know this is difficult for people, especially from afar. You know, what happened with Jordan McNair, and we're going to find out more about all of that here shortly. I mean, it's a tragedy. There's no way else to put it. People were at fault for what happened to him, and it's, it's horrifying to think about when you feel about his family. But these players are all hurting because they lost a brother. Mm-hmm. And they're playing for him. And we saw that yeah. at the Texas game, you know, bringing out his number and all of that. So right. these guys, you can be upset with Maryland's coaching staff and the, the, you know, the board and all of that, but the players Don't take are playing, the players. For their, right. playing for their brother. Yeah. And, and cheer for the players. Yeah. Don't cheer for the coaches. Don't cheer for the administration. Cheer for the players. And they're playing extremely well right now. And I, th- I thought about that because when this whole thing happened, and you know, I've started to frequent Maryland games, and I thought about, well, will I go out and support? But when I started to think about it, I thought about what you just said. The players did nothing wrong. No, and, they and, and, they, the and they are playing for their fallen comrade, for mm-hmm. their brother. They are playing with heavy hearts and they're playing for a reason and a purpose. And I need to support them. No matter how I might feel about uh, the coach, the AD, whoever, it's not about them because they're not on that field. They're not playing. They're not sacrificing their bodies. They're off somewhere else. So as a fan, Continue to support the team, which is the players, and you got to separate that from the AD and the and the VPs and everybody higher up. Support the players still. So my question would be though, and maybe we just don't know the insight to this, but like, is there going to be penalties dropped on potentially Durkin and this staff that could result in them pulling well, you, a bowl won't... game this year? I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. And I and I don't see the NCAA now. We never know. They're kind of a wild Maryland's card. Maryland's investigation is supposed to come out on the twenty first. Oh. So I think we'll get some answers, a little more clarity, a, a little bit more. I don't know how much, but I, I what don't, they're going to come back with. I don't think this is going to be a situation where the NCAA steps in and, and makes any types of sanctions on this on this program. It'll be all internal, in my opinion. Yeah. There will be firings. I, I find it very hard to believe that DJ Durkin will be the head coach of this football team once everything comes out, yeah. I yeah. think. Damon Evans likely will be gone, the athletic mm-hmm. director. I think Wallace Lowe could be gone as yes. well, the president yes. of the school. Yes. Mm-hmm. But as for bowl games this year, I, I can't see this being sanctions implemented yeah. on the team because there wasn't it, – it's, it's kind of crazy to say this because a young man lost his life, but there wasn't anything – illegal when it comes to recruiting or academics or anything like that it was it was uh horrifying and and what they did with the athletic training and and all of that to fail the failure to save his life but it doesn't really have anything to do with ncaa violations yeah and i I think the ncaa will allow them to handle this in-house like you said 
And it's probably something that they don't want to really get involved with because it is you're dealing with a, a student athlete's death and you're going to see you're going to let the school handle that and handle that, you know, because it does, like you say, it doesn't really fall into what the NCAA usually puts sanctions on. It usually gets involved in penalties and, and, and taking away scholarships and bowl games and things of that nature. So I think they're, they're going to sit back. They're going to watch what the school does and put the trust in the school that they will handle it accordingly and, you know, to the satisfaction of, you know, the school and the parents and the NCAA and everybody else. So I don't I don't think they get involved in that, though. Well, it's going to be really curious because I, I do anticipate DJ Durkin to be fired over this, this and, whole and ordeal. And soon, yeah. right? Yes. I, I, it, what's going to be very interesting is that you've got a Big Ten program. So regardless of the success of it, there's still going to be appeal. Oh, yes. And then when you look at the talent that has been infused mm-hmm. by DJ Durkin, because he has been a gr- very yeah. good recruiter, will Matt Canada have a legitimate shot mm. to keep this job? I think if if they go 8-4, it continues is, to win, I think If you go 8-4, I, I don't see how you don't keep him as the yeah. as the full-time head coach. Unless, unless there is a, a, a big name that comes available, and I don't know of one that's out there. Right. But if, if he does get this team to a bowl and eight wins or, or, or better, hopefully. But a lot of coaches then, would likely be scared off because in reality, you can never win your conference. You can never win your division at Maryland, in my opinion. You're never getting by yeah. the gauntlet of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. That is... Probably yeah. not. No. So, maybe so a one-off All year. of these coaches yeah. have massive egos. We, we all know that's that. That's true. And, and they all think, like with quarterbacks, oh, I can fix this guy. I'll I can be fix the this one, player. Right? You know, oh, with pitchers or whatever. But if Matt Canada's successful, I would say, kind of like we were talking about the Redskins, yeah. play the hits. If yeah. he's 8-4... and four, and and he's got familiarity, and the quarterbacks are rolling, and the yeah. offense is rolling. Keep keep it going. Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on the coach also, because if you're in the SEC, Jimbo Fisher, if you're looking at Alabama, of course, and then you now you have Georgia. Those are two huge hills you got to climb each year, but. He but he feels, also got $75 million. Exactly. Yeah, but, Mar- but, Maryland ain't offering no, they're, anybody they're $75 million. They're not. <laughs> they're not. But just, just as an example, right. you know, paychecks aside, because it's not even close. Right. But for him to come in and with that, I'm Jimbo Fisher, and I can, I can, I can win the SEC. Or even for uh, the Georgia coach, and he's Kirby. 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 Yeah. You know, for Kirby, who was at Alabama and won championships at Alabama and knows how formidable that program is, to go to Georgia and say, you know what, I can beat y'all. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about the look. There's and it, some people might shy away from that. Like, is, I'm not is, going to SEC because no one can beat Alabama. It's a fertile recruiting ground down there. Exactly. I, I think there's there's talent in this area. There's no doubt, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, you, you look at the stadium at, at Maryland every Saturday. You look at what's between the hedges at Georgia. Right. It's a, it's a little bit different. Texas A&M, uh, it studied, it's a different study tradition. just came out, too, that Texas A&M uh, makes the most money of any athletic department out there. So oh, really? they've got yeah. insane resources. It was like a, 148 I mean, million, something crazy they, like that. They go out. And they get Jimbo Fisher for the record-setting deal of $75 million. And then he, in turn, goes to Notre Dame, poaches their defensive coordinator, and gives him a record-setting deal. So they've got resources that Maryland clearly does not have. Yeah, no, just in terms of the mentality. I know. I understand understand your overall point. So, But... but We'll see. It's September. You know, it's the middle of September. They haven't even played their third game yet. But 
I am. I would be very curious if and slash when DJ Durkin is let go. What will be the decision and the mindset for Maryland moving forward with their vacancy? I think they stick with Canada until the end of the season. I mean, it's not like yeah, the what, what was yeah. he offensive coordinator at LSU? I mean, yep. not that they're in a powerhouse, but he's coming from LSU, Wisconsin, and yeah. And, and, and the only question I would have with him because you t- we talk about the talent Maryland has. And that's one of the things I liked about the Dirk and Hire is that coming from Michigan, he knows how to recruit in the Big Ten. He knows how to recruit Big Ten talent that can beat Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, whatever have you. And he started to bring those sort of caliber players here. But unfortunately, this goes down. My biggest concern in the next coach, whether it be Canada or whoever, can he continue to bring those players? And DJ also... Not unlike uh, Mark Turgeon on the basketball side of it, has been able to keep Maryland talent home, which is something that we have not been able to do. Penn State has has had a, a pipeline here. Florida State, uh, guys like Eddie Goldman and, and Darby. Um, Illinois at one point in time yeah. had a Raleigh's Ben and, and a lot of guys. So we've been able to in these recent two or three classes been able to keep some of the quality talent that is in the DMV area, keep it here for the most part. Now, the big guys are going to go to Alabama. They're going to go to Florida State. They're going to go to Clemson and all that other stuff. But they've been able to keep three, four star recruits home and been able to build. So the next person, you got to be able to keep that going. Because they had the DMV to UMD was their hmm. little slogan. And they've been trying to do this. It's been a concerted effort, and I hope that continues. It's DMV to VT, I feel like. <laughs> Everyone's going to Virginia Tech now, and Fuente's really building uh, a Don't power look out. at Ohio State on Saturdays because Dwayne Haskins went to Bulls. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like he's going you know to be an absolute star. It bothers me. You know what? It, it's crazy because he's left because Edsel left, and I thought Edsel was terrible. I think he was going. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I think he was going to go to Ohio State regardless. Really? Yeah. He had already, he had I committed. Know he, he had committed. He had committed. Yep. He had committed, and you know they had but the verbally. They right? had the movement yeah. and all that. Right. And the Edsel and seemed was, like an easy. He was supposed out to bring him. in people and recruit other top guys, and it just didn't work out. And it was curious to me because every time. I'd be like, he's supposed to be starting here now <laughs> instead of sitting behind JT Barrett and, you know, these other quarterbacks. Because there were at least two other guys playing in front of him, which were, you know, they're vets, they're seniors, or I don't know, JT Barrett, what is he, eight years? How long is he? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the Mystics. They couldn't win a single game against Seattle and were swept at George Mason's Eagle Bank Arena. And I talked with Mystics play-by-play man Frank Hanrahan asking him, what went wrong? The Seattle depth showed up in this series, especially Game 3. Uh, Elena Deladon, not 100%, but she said excuses are for losers. Unfortunately, hmm. the Mystics are you know short end of the stick in this series. But there just wasn't that other score for the Mystics to step up and, and take control. Ariel Atkins is just a rookie. Christy Tolliver sort of struggled. There wasn't that extra umph from somebody else that we didn't expect it to. That's usually what helps teams win championships. They just were lacking that second and third score really in game three and that was huge so the question moving forward to future seasons is it one more player they need one more good player two more i would say one more um somebody a little more dynamic you know that can just help ease the uh pressure off adela don especially when she's not 100 percent. because you know seattle to their credit they keyed on adela don and christy tolliver and said heck we'll let anybody else beat us and unfortunately nobody else did watching them last night and throughout the playoffs 
you could just see the difference between Seattle and them. Seattle dominated the boards on offensive glass and defensive glass. Decision making was better. They shot threes. They spread the ball around. They looked more crisp, and it just looked like a team that had been there before. And they just it, it just didn't look like the Mystics had that mode. Not to say they won't get there, but it's just when you look at a, a game like that, where you can see the difference between the skill setting and, and the experience from one team to the other, it was glaring at, at certain points, and the, the score reflected that. The biggest takeaway I had during the Mystics postseason run here, the incident at Glory Days Grill, uh, where they could have just put one TV on in the corner there. Um, that's you know, I know it's NFL Sunday, but uh, Glory Days is a lot of television. So that was the story that there was uh, Natasha Cloud's family wanted to watch the game and asked for one TV, oh, really? and oh. Glory Days said no, and they were like, they're in the finals. I right. mean, it's during Redskins Sunday, but Glory Days, it's not like a restaurant where they has one TV. No, they get TVs all over the place all over the place so you could have put one on I, I'll just say this we're talking about the Mystics right now I think that's great it's not something we've done in the past they had a nice little run here it'd be nice to see uh, their continued growth here uh, yeah. and so because I mean I don't know the Wizards uh, I don't think are like an inspiring uh, franchise really so let's uh, get the women's side uh, a little bit more hyped here I, I hate that they're not a dumpster they're not garbage no no like no, that. no 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 <laughs> no of right. course not I just I, I think every year we come to the season it's not like we're thinking to ourselves oh yeah the Wizards I think they're going to go all the way Shit, no, I'm in, I'm in a wait and see mode with them. I just I want to see what these new moves do. I think if it goes the right way, it could be beneficial. You're you're in a LeBronless East now for the mm-hmm. first time, and the landscape can be it's it's wide open. The outside of Boston to me, outside of Boston is wide open. I like Toronto. I, yeah, I like Toronto in the regular season. Yeah, yeah they're right. wonderful. They're say, fantastic yeah. in the regular season. Yeah, but they've got a different gentleman there now. His name is Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> he he changes some things. He he does. He does. He's I not mean, Demar Derozan. No, no, no. I mean, you've got to see you know how that works, and you got to see how that changes Kyle Lowry's game because he's been in the backcourt with Demar Derozan so long. So at some point, it's like it's like if you separate Wall and Beal. There's going to be some changes in their game. There's going to be some yeah. adjustments that had to be made, and let, we got to see how uh, Lowry deals with that. Well, and you got a new coach. Nick Nurse is there. He's right. never been a head coach in the NBA before, so how's that going to play out? But yeah, I, I do agree. The overall thought, though, when you look at the Wizards, it is it is wide open. It's exciting about the Mystics. I mean, Elena Deladon, what she did at Delaware, you know, being a quasi local athlete. Mm-hmm. Now she's playing here, and this is what second or third year. Yeah. It, I mean, she's a superstar in yep. the WNBA, and hopefully her star continues to grow. And, you know, Christy Tolliver uh, has, has played really well. So Local it, product. It, it's exciting. I mean, it is exciting. They've got yeah. the new arena, you know, being built, uh, the practice facility that the go-go and, mm-hmm. and the Wizards are going to practice that. So uh, to see this success, despite, you know, being swept in the final uh, it's exciting for for hoops in this area because yeah. look, this is this is a town that loves basketball. I mean, yeah. some of the greatest basketball players have come from this area, mm-hmm. and uh, to continue to have that grow, both men's and women's, it, it's exciting. And hopefully, the people in charge are searching for that yes elusive player, that extra <laughs> woman who can come in and, and complete the team. I, mean, yeah. I, I think they're close. They're they're very close. Like Frank said, they're they're quite close. And just having you know a former MVP like Deladon made 
a heck of a difference in a vet like that Chrissy Tolliver. So, and they've got young players. They've got Cloud. They've got a lot of a couple young players that can play. So, yeah, maybe I agree with Frank. They might be, you know, just a piece away. Good talk, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Like Thank it. you, Dimitri. You can follow us on Twitter at DMV Sports Round One. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen. For Chris and Tim and Jamal, I'm Dimitri. And for Redskins fans all around the world, large and small, God help us.